We're going to be in verses 1 through 10. Well, actually 11. So we're going to remain standing for the reading of God's Word here this morning. Just as a reminder that this is authority in our lives. That this is, if you get nothing else out of this morning, that this is what I want us to remember. Is the Word of God. The Word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. So this is what I want us to focus on here, which is why we stand for the honoring and then we listen in a sitting, sitting position. <clears throat> so, Acts chapter 3 says this, Now Peter and John were going up to the temple for the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. A man who was lame from birth was being carried there. He was placed each day at the temple called temple gate called Beautiful, so that he could beg from those entering the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter the temple, he asked for money. Peter, along with John, looked straight at him and said, Look at us. So he turned to them, expecting to get something from them. But Peter said, I don't have silver or gold, but what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. Then, taking him by the right hand, he raised him up, and at once his feet and ankles became strong. So he jumped up and started to walk, and he entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. All the people saw him walking and praising God, and they recognized that he was the one who used to sit and beg at the beautiful gate of the temple. So they were filled with awe and astonishment at what had happened to him. While he was holding on to Peter and John, all the people, utterly astonished, ran toward them in what is now called Solomon's Colonnade. Jesus, we thank you for this word. We thank you for this healing. We thank you for this man. And Lord, for Peter and, and John's faithfulness to go and, and, and to work and to do the good that you've called them to do in this world. Lord, I pray that you would speak to us here today. What do you have to say for us here today in the 21st century on January 8th, 2023 for this new, this new season of our lives, Lord? What do you have for us? Show us, God, your goodness. Show us your glory. Open up our minds and our hearts to perceive, to see and to perceive what you would have for us here this morning. And Lord, we pray all these things in Jesus' holy name. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> We are living in a time of automation, right? We have a time of computers, right? Computers, computer, computer, computer. We have computers everywhere, computers in our pockets, computers streaming video to, you know, online, you know, streaming to people over in Three Forks and, and Helena and Texas and everywhere else, in Idaho, people are watching, right? <clears throat> Manhattan, right? <laughs> Yeah, there's people watching on their, you know, comment on their what, what you're, where you're watching from. But we have the time of the day of computers. We have the time of what? Smartphones, smart watches. We have more technology on our wrists than they did in the 60s. That ran NASA. We have it on our wrists. <laughs> Robots. Robotic dogs. Do you know about this? Robotic dogs that'll launch a missile at you. In China or in America, there, there's robotic dogs that are going into, into warlands, you know, into battlefields. Smart bombs, 
Surgical robots. Do you know that a lot of the surgeries that are done today are done with a joystick? And soon enough, according to some, they'll be able to do it on their own. There are fast food burger flipping robots. You know that, that McDonald's and, and White Castle and several other different brands have already instituted, have started to integrate burger flipping and fry, you know, pouring, you know, making robots. There's no people making your food anymore. Self-flying planes, literally. I mean, you are up there and it's flying it themselves. It's, I think there's like statistics of like, of pilots look over and, you know, how, how, how many pilots, you know, wake up to see their co-pilot there or co-pilot sleeping. So both your pilots could be sleeping at any moment in, of time. Self-driving cars now. Prosthetics. Now, even brain implants that they're working on with Amazon that they're going to implant in your brain to control a prosthetic. And also including haptics. And haptics meaning that it'll create a, like a bioweb skin that when people touch it, you can feel it in your brain. So it feels like a real arm. We're starting to see this more and more and more. All these things built in. Which all these things ask, make us ask the question, what does it mean? What does it truly mean to be human? What does it truly mean to be human? I'm reading this book called Rings of Fire uh, by Leonard Sweet. And he has, the, so his kind of big thing is, is, you know, what does the church look like in the future? He's a, a big studier of what's called semiotics, which means it's like signs of the times, like signs of things to come, right? Not like, you know, prophetic, like, you know, what is, what's coming, you know, what's the futuristic prophetic word? This is more like just ob- observations of what's been going on in science and technology, the human race, politics, everything, <clears throat> and saying what's coming, what can I see, per, you know, coming and developing, right? And so he, uh, so basically like he wants to do all this so that we as the church can be equipped so that we as the church know how to answer some of these questions of what are the issues coming that we need to be able to have answers to, or at least, you know, to be prepared for doing ministry in a culture this way going into the future. How do we do ministry in, in, in a, you know, in an augmented reality world or in a virtual reality world? Have you ever seen, you know, a metaverse that's coming out? You know, that's where a lot of these things are, is pointing to go. Metaverse. There's also one called Second Life. Have you ever heard of this? You can actually live and make a living in a, in, on the computer in an action role, you know, you know, you know what, what do they call it? Uh, <clears throat> the multi, multiplayer online, you know, games, whatever it is. But you can actually live as your avatar in Second Life. And there's already LifeChurch.tv has a campus in Second Life on, in the Metaverse. And there's First Presbyterian Church in the clouds because they can't afford the, the real estate. Because <laughs> you can actually fly in Second Life. In Second Life. Yes. So, <laughs> so what, do we, what questions should the church be starting to ask going into the future so that we're prepared for wherever we're at? So he, he calls it grain. Genetics, robotics, artificial intelligence, information technology, and nanotechnology. Do you know that there's already a church to the AI God. There's already a church to artificial, artificial intelligence because there's a belief that artificial intelligence is the greater creator intelligence in the, in the world that it will take on computer form and be able to create other deities. 
It'll just continue to learn. And as it learns, it continues to get smarter and at a faster rate, like double the rate every day. Every day. And so basically that they believe that this, this AI will become God. Um, robots. You know, the word cyborg will become more a part of our vernacular going forward. You know, but here's the thing. Here's the question. Aren't, don't we already have a bunch of cyborgs? Like people with prosthetics that came, from, came home from Iraq or Afghanistan, missing limbs, and there's prosthetics. How much of the human body do we have to replace with machine parts in order for a person to be considered a cyborg? This is all different questions. If you know the, the character, I always forget her name, from, from Marvel, the green girl and, and her sister, the cyborg, that every time she lost a battle, he, you know, Thanos would replace a different part of her with a machine. Right? And so basically, like, she was basically all machine except for her brain. Right? And so that's going to become more and more and more a part of that. Yeah, that's, yeah, hip replacements, knee replacements, you know, are, you know <laughs> what is it called? The, the pacemakers. Like, how me- mechanized do we? We're already cyborgs, right? You know, but it's interesting. Like, he, Leonard Sweet asks a different, an interesting question. The challenge for the church will be this issue. No matter how cyborgian and digitally connected humans become, are we still the summit of authority in the universe under the sovereignty of God? Or will, we, or will we submit to the authority of the cyborg? Genetics. Developments in genetics. Have you ever, have you ever, ever seen the movie Gattaca? Gattaca, right? Gattaca's coming. The ability to customize and to grow your own human not in your womb. Like, customize. Like, DNA, you know, genetic modification before someone's even born. I just saw a video advertisement of this, of a company that's developing this, the ability to grow humans in a womb-like machine, you know, thing, machine, not biologically in the body. And the ability to customize what their hair color is, their hair color, the eye color, their, their physical stamina. But so the, all this, there's actually companies developing this right now today. So which also then makes us still ask that same question. What does it truly mean to be truly human? Should we say, no, thank you. I don't want that pacemaker. No, thank you. I don't want that prosthetic. No, thank you. I don't want that new, repla- that new replacement. No, thank you. I don't want that brain implant. Okay, maybe there's a line there coming, right? So... It's what the you know, this question is what the Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, from cover to cover, that's what this is all about. Written before we even had electricity. (laughs) And yet we have figured out a way to make our faith work throughout the last three industrial revolutions. As we have trusted in the Lord in the past, we will trust the Lord in the future, whatever it holds. The truth is, every day, it's always a good day to do good, to restore humanity to humanity, to what it truly means to be human. That's what the Bible is all about. What does it truly mean to be a true human? What did God do when he said, let there be life? When, I, when God breathed the breath of life into Adam, 
And he took out the rib and fashioned Eve and brought her to him. What was God doing? How was God creating them? That is the truth that we walk in. That is the truth that we restore. And that's what's happening in our passage here today. We're not seeing a cyborg being made. We're seeing someone's humanity, full humanity, restored. So let's look at this passage here a little bit. So where we're at, we are at the beautiful gate, right? So this man, they were, you know, Peter and John were going up to the temple for, to the time of prayer about three in the afternoon, and a man who was lame from birth was being carried there. Remember, that's very important, lame from birth. We'll get to that here in a minute. He was placed each day at the temple gate called the beautiful gate. So the beautiful gate is in your notes there. If you look at the bottom of, your, bottom of the page there. So that is, uh, you know, where the, so inside the temple, temple mount, there's the inner court, which has, you know, there's kind of subdivided into two with the temple building right in the middle of one. So the outer, outer little court, uh, the big outer court is called the, the court of the Gentiles. And to go into the actual temple ground, you had to pass through the beautiful gate. Now we've seen this a little bit um, as we talked about uh, back in our study of Luke, um, <coughs> that this is the entrance into the temple from the court of Gentiles that Jesus was was uh, talking to his disciples in uh, John chapter fifteen. You know, what's you know, you guys know the ver- the passage. You know, I am the vine, you are the branches. Anyone comes to me, like if anyone abides in me, he bears much fruit. So that whole discourse from John 15, 16, and the great prayer of Jesus, 17, is done right there, probably in the, in the court of Gentiles. Right there in front of the beautiful gate, because it's believed that the beautiful gate had the, this, this vine, this, this, this uh, wine, uh, grape, grapevine, you know, growing up through the doors and then going out across the walls that represented the 12 tribes of Israel. And so this is where we're at, the, the gate where Jesus did his great you know, teaching and preaching of I am the vine, you are the branches, and his great priest, high priestly prayer, as it's been quoted, right here at the same gate. It's the beautiful gate, the gate into the temple, which is the gate into the presence of God. In the Jewish mind, this is the, the entrance into God's presence. And this man is right there. Almost there. But not quite. So let's look at this, let's look at this guy. So he was lame from birth. Now, not lame like, dude, you're so lame. But like, lame, like could not walk. You know, his ankles, legs were, were par- you know, paralyzed or they were disfigured. Uh, could have been cerebral palsy, was maybe a palsy of some sort. Um, so he spent his entire life begging here at the beautiful gate in front of the temple, hoping to happen upon someone's kindness or guilt, you know, as they were stirred to be generous um, on their way into the temple. People knew this guy, as, as he even said, right? They recognized him, verse 10, and they recognized that he was the one. He used to sit there, right? People knew this guy. These disciples, shoot, may have even given him money in the past. Jesus and his family may have given him money in the past. (laughs) Imagine Jesus walking by during his ministry, knowing that he wasn't going to be the one to heal him. He's like, oh, bro, just you wait. It's it's coming. You know, 
I can just see that. Like, Jesus knew this guy and knew what was going to happen to him. He's like, oh, dude, oh, it's going to be amazing. It's going to be so good. I wish, oh, yeah, I will totally be there in spirit. Literally, the Holy Spirit, right? <laughs> but, so it's interesting. Think, think about, so I was going to read both three, chapters three and four today. You're welcome, I didn't. Um, <laughs> but if you look at verse, uh, verse 22 of, of chapter four, it says, For this sign of healing had been performed on a man over 40 years old. Here's the craziest thing. Mary and Joseph probably walked by this guy when they dedicated Jesus. He probably walked by this man, maybe when he was a boy. Because think about it, Jesus was about, about 33 when he died and resurrected and ascended. So this boy may have been about three years old. So maybe they already had him out there begging. We don't know. Oh, I'm sorry. No, he was seven years old. He would have been seven years old. So Jackson's age. Definitely would have had him out there begging. <laughs> He was there when Jesus was there, dialoguing and discussing the scripture in the temple at 12 years old. So that 19 years he would have been 19 years old when Jesus was in the temple courts talking and discussing with, with the elders, the scriptures. But essentially, the, the reason why he couldn't go in, so this man was lame from birth. And so this man... He could not enter the temple. The beautiful gate was the closest to God that he had ever gotten. That was it. Close but no cigar. Right there. You're right there. Right? Leviticus 21, 18 through 20 says, No man who has any defect is to come near. No man who is blind, lame, facially disfigured or deformed. No man who has a broken foot or hand or who is a hunchback or a dwarf, or who has an eye defect or festering rash, scabs, or a crushed testicle. Weirdly specific. (laughs) Well, the Bible is so entertaining sometimes, I'll tell you what. But these people could not come near. They could not go to offer sacrifice. They could not go and share a meal with God. Like we talked about, that was the context of all of Jesus. You know, I would say most of, if not all of Jesus' miracles wasn't just that, they, that Jesus healed them. Yay, I'm healed. Woo! It was the, I can have fellowship with God because my in- infirmity kept me from God. It kept me from fellowship with the body of God, the people who would, you know, my community. I couldn't touch anyone. I had to go walking everyone saying, going, unclean coming, unclean coming. They had to be separated from society. And so this was, all the miracles was Jesus restoring not just their physical abilities, but their emotional and relational connections. This is why this is so huge. So huge. Because not only was Jesus restoring the humanity of him physically, he was restoring him to full humanity, which full humanity is relationship relationship with our families, relationship with the people of God, relationship with culture and our society. This is why he, what, entered the temple with them, what, walking, leaping and praising God. Like I said, this is the first time being able to walk, leap and worship 
God ever. Ever. Verse 9, all the people saw. And what? They were filled with awe and astonishment at what had happened to him. They were just as as amazed as he was. He was like, I know, right? I know. You're the guy. I know. That's me. This was amazing. Walking, leaping, running around. I can just just imagine this, this scene. This guy, like, by giggling, laughing, John and Peter laughing with him, like, ha ah, ha ha, this is amazing! This is the first miracle that's been done since Jesus has ascended. Besides, of course, the, the, the you know, the, the tongues. But this is the first one, especially on the temple grounds, that's been done. And all the people are freaking out, man! While he was holding on to Peter and John, all the people, utterly astonished, ran toward them in in what's called Solomon's Colonnade. They were amazed together. This was a time of great joy and celebration for this man. Physically, spiritually, emotionally, mentally. This was God restoring this man's full humanity. Have you had a time in your life when when you feel like that's happened, where God has had what? Breakthrough in your life? Where you've been like trying to get, can't get past this obstacle, can't stop, can't stop drinking, can't stop looking at porn, can't stop gossiping, can't stop being depressed and anxious all the time, being angry, yelling at my kids. And then God gives you the breakthrough. And you have a realization and awareness and God brings healing. God brings knowledge. God brings wisdom. God brings restoration and freedom. And then you're like, woo! I think oftentimes we, we, don't, we, don't, we, need, we need to celebrate these things. Guys, I've been sober for this many days. Let's go party! Not at the bar. let's go to dinner let's go celebrate guys the Lord has brought such peace to my heart let's go and celebrate or come over and celebrate with me I'll I'll I'll, I'll make a casserole we're Baptists after all right Baptish entered the temple walking, leaping, praising God but all because Peter and John stepped out. They stepped out in faith. They didn't necessarily, I mean, Jesus had said, you're going to do greater works than I do. But this was their, their first time stepping out and saying, all right, Jesus, all right, Holy Spirit, here we go, I'm going to put you on the spot. Here we go. I don't have silver or gold, but what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. They did good. You did good, boy. They did good. They did something good. They stepped out and did good. They saw an opportunity and they took it. 
this word that you know, says looked directly at him, right? Right there in, in verse chapter, in uh, verse four, it said that Peter, along with John, looked straight at him. This word is 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 um, is this word you know, fixing your gaze, like I'm like focusing it very intently. This is steadily looking at you, or I'm fully occupied with you right now. Just really concentrating on him. More than just seeing him. This is concentrating on him, focusing on him. I can even see that this is like, maybe he's like praying in the Lord, like seeking the Spirit. Like, Lord, Holy Spirit, what do you want to do right now? You focused my, my, my focus on, this, on my eyes on this person. Why? What do you want me to do? What do you want me to stay, to, do, to say? And they, they walked over to him. And he said, hey, look at us. Look at us. Don't look around them. Yeah, I don't, I don't got any silver or gold, but hey, look, look at me. Focus, Fox. And, what they, and they stepped out in faith and they said, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. And he did. What? What? What would happen if that happened here? We all freak out. Oh gosh, I would, I would totally freak out. I'd be like running around like, woo! Right? That's what, that's what happened when, when, I, when I got healed of my, with my eyes. If you remember, I had, had like a, an astigmatism or whatever, like with the, the kind of fan the lights and it got so blurry at night that I couldn't, I didn't want to drive. I went to a small group one, you know, home church one night and I just had them pray over me, lay hands on me. It started gushing and I, I, it was, it was gone from then on. I've never had it again. Completely healed instantly. And I celebrated, I worshiped like I'd never worshiped before that night. I worshiped at church that next, that next Sunday, like I'd never worshiped before. It was a beautiful, it changes you. It gives you a testimony. This guy, you know, I think it's safe to say that he joined the church <laughs> after this. You know, learned more about the man whose name is Jesus Christ of Nazareth that he was healed in. And I believe he then walked with God, literally and spiritually, for the rest of his life. Because Peter and John stepped out in faith and said, Holy Spirit, you know what you want to do here in this situation. They did good. They did and actively accomplished good by restoring more of the fullness of humanity to this man. And they walked in that authority that authority to heal, that authority to manifest signs and wonders, miracles, signs and wonders, (coughs) which God still has on the church today. They stepped out in their authority to bless. They stepped out in their authority to bless. Did you know that you have have been given authority? As As a believer, as a saint of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, you have been given authority. If you are walking with God, have been baptized, and you are walking with the Lord, you have placed all of your, your hope and your trust and your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, 
you have been given God's Holy Spirit. And if you have God's Holy Spirit, you have authority in this world. The authority to bless, to bring spiritual healing and restoration to people's lives and the situations surrounding them. Even if you haven't been given the anointing to physically heal or do signs and wonders, you have been given the authority to bless, to bring shalom, peace, flourishing to someone's life or situation. You are, we are God's kingdom bearers on this earth. Everywhere that you, you place your foot, everywhere that you set your foot, you bring God's kingdom to this earth. You bring his authority, you bring his will, you bring his blessing, you bring healing, you bring flourishing, you bring joy, you bring his love everywhere that you go. Because you have his presence in you. You have the Shekinah glory that was on the Ark of the Covenant in the Holy of Holies in your life. Starting in your own life. Starting in your family. The authority to bless your church, to bless your city, to bless your coworkers, your friends. Authority comes with being able to bless, but it also comes with being blessed. And blessing comes with authority. It's not a small thing to bless someone, to do good for or to someone. Doing good in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth brings tov, that word tov, good, goodness, blessing, flourishing. I think oftentimes there's this like whole, like even like the, being called the names, oh, you a bunch of do-gooders, right? Oh, you're such a do-gooder. Well, thank you. I'd like, I strive to be a do-gooder because that means that I'm doing good. That means that I'm bringing flourishing to people's lives. It means that, I'm, that you notice that my life, my family, and our church is flourishing because you see good. So don't stop doing good. There are over, do you know this? There are over a hundred times in the New Testament. Remember, like we talk about one, you know, the, the phrase one another. There's over a hundred times in the Bible where it talks about bless or blessing or blessed in the New Testament. So we're, we're going to read all of them. Ready? Just kidding. We're just going to read a few. So bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. When you are reviled, we bless. When we are persecuted, we endure it. But the one who looks intently into the perfect law of freedom and perseveres in it and is not forgetful, a forgetful hearer but a doer of works, this person will be blessed in what he does. Not paying back evil for evil or insult for insult, but on the contrary, giving a blessing since you were called for this so that you may inherit a blessing. It's interesting how many of the, of the ones from the New Testament are in the face of persecution or cursing to bless. To not get discouraged by curses. To not get discouraged by people, by negativity as they say in the world today, right? But blessing. Bless negativity 
You know, just bring your positivity. No, don't bring positivity. Bring a blessing. It's so much better than, a, than the positivity. Doing good, blessing others, not just with words, but also in deed. And do good. Be a do-gooder. <laughs> make do-gooders good, you know, great again. Or make do-gooders good again. Make, <laughs> make do-gooders great again. May we all be counted faithful do-gooders. Or do-gooders. Do-gooders? Is that a thing? I don't know. <laughs> good. Sounds gooder. Sounds gooder? Sounds gooder. All right. So <laughs> But this is not, okay, this is far beyond doing random acts of kindness, right? This wasn't a random act of kindness that Peter and John did. It was an intentional act of love. What? They looked intently. They, in, this is an intentional act of God's love in Jesus' name, and they let him know it. Hey, I'm doing this for you in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. So when we do good, we can say, this is in the, name, in the name of Jesus Christ, I give you this. In the name of Jesus Christ, be blessed in this. Can I pray for you? I'm going to pray for you in the name of Jesus Christ. How can we bless people in the name of Jesus Christ? Doing good is what the kingdom of God is all about. It's what, it's what our culture is, what the kingdom culture is all about. Doing good. Doing good with one another, doing good in our families, doing good in our own lives. The, it's not like, you know, you've got to do good and not, not do bad. It's the practice of walking out goodness. That's why it's one of the fruit of the Spirit. It's one of the fruits of what? Love. So as we said, you know, the fruit of the Spirit is love. And everything else after, after that describes that. Love, what? Joy, peace, patience, Patience, kindness, goodness. Goodness is a result of the kingdom life being lived out. It's the result of the Holy Spirit living and active in our lives. It results in doing good. Now, here's, I want to make sure that I make a very clear distinction here. We don't do good in order to get God's favor. No. We do good because we have it. We have God's love. We have His Spirit. We have His grace. We have His, the fullness of His love. We have the fullness of the, of the grace and the blood of Christ that has washed us clean of, of our sin. And we live out goodness because God has made us good. We do good because we are good. Good works come from a good identity. So if you have placed your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and been baptized and have joined into his kingdom, you are good. Write that down. This was nowhere in my notes. Write this down. Even if you, no matter how you, how you write it down, say, I am good. Even just writing those words, I am good. I am reconciled with the Father, so I'm good there. But I'm also been made good. As Jesus even said, why do you call me good? No one is good except for God alone. Ah, why can I say that I am good? Because God is in me. And I am in God. 
I am in Christ. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Anyone who has the Holy Spirit has Christ. Anyone who has Christ has the Holy Spirit. So I am a manifestation of God's goodness on this earth. Now, we may not live that. We may struggle with things, right? Right? And that's not, it's not saying that we're like completely like all of our actions are like living out of that, but that's the goal of our faith is this walking and growing in maturity in our faith, manifesting on the outside the goodness and the grace that's on the inside. The restored person on the inside being made manifest on the outside. That's what the word sanctification in the Bible means. That's holy living. Living the holiness that's on the inside on the outside. So grasping that, wrestling with that, praying for God's breakthrough in areas like of, the, of this. So we do good because it's what God's kingdom people are all about. And there are over 250 times where the word good is in the, is in the New Testament. Just the New Testament. 250 times. I think God wants us to be good. Like to do good. Right? And to manifest His goodness. Let us not get tired of doing good. Don't be tired of, get, of being a do-gooder. For we will reap at the proper time if we don't give up. Brothers and sisters, do not grow weary in doing good. Oof, write that one. Oh, circle that one. It's already written in your, in your, in your things. Circle that one. Second Thessalonians 3.13. Read that this week. Four or five bajillion times. He gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to cleanse for himself a people for his own possession, eager to what? Do good works. For it is God's will that you silence the ignorant and foolish people by what? Doing good. For it is better to suffer for doing good if it should be God's will than for doing evil. Because it is always a good day to do good. To restore humanity back to humanity. Back to being humans. Like I said, the Bible from cover to cover is all about God's relationship with humanity. I mean, the Bible really is a book that, you know, that should be titled, you know, Divinity in a Divine Romance with Humanity. That's what the Bible's all about. Divinity in a Divine Romance with Humanity. It's where we get the core essence of what it truly means to be human. That's why you, know, you hear about the analogy that the Secret Service, they never study counterfeit, counterfeit money, right? They never, they never like, you know, go through here and like, oh, here's a, here's a new one that's come up. Oh, here's a new one that's come up. They study intently the real thing. Every dollar bill that can take, you know, the smell of it, the taste of it, the, the, the feeling of it, how it burns, the weight of it, everything about it, all the little intricacies and like under a microscope, they can, they study the real thing so intently that they can tell a fake like that and that's what our faith is all about we study the author and creator of life and everything itself and we can recognize a deceit a lie a forgery a trap a false life because we know what the real thing is supposed to be because we know Christ and his word so much. We have hidden God's word in our hearts so much so that we know beyond the shadow of doubt 
what it truly is like to be human. What humanity should truly fully be. And we just simply speak the truth in love. This is how God created you. This is how God created the world and humanity to work. So come this way. Inviting them. This is the gospel. This is the kingdom. This is what it is truly this is what it truly means to be human. And welcoming people into the kingdom of God. Welcoming people in to believe the gospel of Jesus Christ. That he died on the cross for our sins, for the forgiveness of our sins, and he rose from the grave so that we would be resurrected with him and live for, et- for eternity in his kingdom. That is the goodness of the gospel. So if you, if you haven't done that this morning, I want to, this is a great time for you to do that. At, uh, during this time, we're, we're going we're gonna to spend a few moments in reflection and prayer and, and dialogue and discussion. And if you haven't given your life to Jesus Christ, I invite you, this is, this is the day. Don't wait. This is the day that God is offering you his salvation. Salvation from yourself. Salvation from the world and its many confusions. The faith of Jesus Christ that's been alive for over 2,000 years isn't going away because it's true. Because it shows us God's true heart and and, and how he truly designed us and designed humanity to flourish. Designed the church to flourish. Designed our lives and our families to flourish. Because anything outside of that brings death and destruction to our lives, to our families, to our world. So this is the time of invitation for you. What does God want to do in your life through this week, through this time, through praying and fasting for breakthrough? Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus, for coming near. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you washed away our sins on the cross and that you have given us the promise of everlasting life, eternal life, face-to-face with you and your kingdom. Lord, we pray for your blessing, that we would be a blessing. Lord, we pray that your goodness, that your love would fill us, Lord, so that we can live our lives doing good, putting on display the full goodness of you, Lord Jesus, putting on display the goodness of the Father through the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, fill each one of us with your Holy Spirit. Fill us to overflowing with your love, Lord Jesus. Lord, so that our lives may be living and active because the word of God is, is implanted in our hearts so deeply. Lord, bring transformation, bring growth and maturity to our lives. And Lord, I pray that you bless this time of praying and fasting. Lord, that, uh, that we would jo- join together in this and that you would, Lord, that you would see and, and participate with us and sustain us through these, 
these next couple weeks as we pray and fast in your name, Lord, for breakthrough. Lord, I pray for breakthrough. I pray that you would break through in the life of this church, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would be would break through. Lord, that we would experience your presence here, that we would experience signs and wonders and healing, that we would experience just incredible things because you are here, because you have broken through, because heaven has come to earth. Lord, change our lives and change our culture. Lord, help us to be a blessing and to do good in our culture around us, in the city of Belgrade, in Bozeman, in this valley. Lord, we thank you and we love you for your presence. And we love you and we praise your holy name, Jesus Christ, Son of God. For it's in your name we pray. Amen.